I'm so glad you're joining us for this episode of Street Soldiers and the New Gang Culture. I'm your host, Lisa Evers. In the last several years, a new gang culture has emerged on the streets, not just of New York City, but in other communities around the country as well. In the past, they seemed to keep their mouths shut. Now everybody's talking. They're talking on social media. They're talking in rap music videos. And they're basically proud of the criminal activity that they are alleged to, and in many cases proven, to have committed. So what we're talking about is this culture and also the extreme youth of a lot of the young men that are getting involved in it. What is driving that? What are some of the societal factors? We have a great, great panel to break this all down for you. Joining me right now is Ralph Salento. He's a professor at John Jay College of Criminal Justice, and he's also a former lieutenant commander with NYPD Detectives. Ralph, thank you so much for being with us. Thank you, Lisa. We appreciate it. And also with us is Eighteen Mitchell. He is the founder of the Man Up organization. They've been doing a lot of great work on the streets of the city for many years. He is also the New York City gun czar. A.T., thank you so much for being with us. It is a pleasure, Alicia, to see you again. Thank you for having me. We, we appreciate it. And also joining us is Dante Mills. He's an attorney. He is a partner with Mills and Edwards and also a law professor at Temple University. Dante, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me, Lisa. Thank you. Ralph, I want to start with you on this. Is this our imagination, or is there really a big difference between what we're seeing with these gang arrests today compared to back in the day? No, no, there's a big difference. Uh, there's a big difference in the way that the gangs operate. There's a big difference in the way that they recruit. There is uh, an ethnicity uh, difference, uh, and there's a, also a difference in the way that we surveil them, investigate them, and ultimately prosecute them. And then in, in terms of uh, in, in terms of these gangs, AT, your people are out on the streets, you're out in the community, you're seeing this happen. One of the things that people have been very shocked by is the extreme youth. There, A lot of these cases, there's they're as young as 13 and 14. The ones that are 18, you know, the uh, law enforcement authorities tell us that they had their start in the criminal activity at, an, at a very young age, you know, when they were under the age. What do you make of that? Well, Lisa, they're children. Um, right? Those ages that you just quoted, they're, at most they're teenagers, but they're certainly not adults. And so a lot of them are very naive of the full consequences of their actions. And so right now they're playing like what we used to do as kids with toys in their mind, not realizing that these are real weapons. And they're going about uh, a lifestyle that they don't really fully understand. And they don't understand it, obviously, so as it relates to how they are being, like right now, uh, picked up and how they're being corralled into the criminal justice system. So, yeah, I mean, it's a lot younger, you know, children, and, 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 and really that's what we have to see them as and begin to try to really curve their behavior before they lose the rest of their lives. But, A.T., you're, so you're saying that they really don't understand that these guns, that they're firing in broad daylight with kids around, little children around, People going to work with real bullets that they're not real? That's what you're saying? No, I'm saying they do not understand the full consequences of their actions. Uh, I've also, our organization, we work in a juvenile detention centers where these young people are brought to when they are apprehended. And at the end of the day, these kids are really clueless. They don't know the law. They don't know, actually, like, again, the, the behavior that they have chosen, the lifestyle that they've chosen. Um, yet they are... By the eyes of the society, yes, they are using real weaponry. They're causing up real havoc on communities. And again, you know, at the end of the day, 
it's too late. Once the kid has his hand or access to a gun, it's almost too late. Um, Dante, when you look, when you look at this from a, a defense attorney standpoint and also from the way these prosecutions are going, at least in New York City, I don't know if this trend has is, is evolved in other places as well, but like six, seven years ago when they were doing gang sweeps, they pick up 150 people, these massive numbers, large arrests, and it could be somebody who grew up with, you know, whose best friend that they grew up with as kids was a gang member, but he wasn't a gang member. They were included in the sweep. And now it's, it seems to be much, much more focused. What what experience have you had with this and what do you see happening? Well, I do handle these types of cases all over the country. I think the experiences are pretty much the same. You do have now more focused investigations because the investigation techniques are a little bit better. Um, I think that they have a, an easier opportunity to get into the minds of the people involved with this. Social media helps with that. They can do some investigation and realize who's actually a part of it who's just kind of hanging around and not committing crimes or doing illegal activity. I will say, though, that something that these children need to understand, and they are children, right? And they're in this position because generally they have no hope elsewhere. They don't have people taking care of them. They don't have means and opportunity. And there's guys who's saying, listen, come hang with me for today. I'll give you some money. I'll feed you. And then one thing leads to another. But they are children who are led astray. Uh, but the one thing they need to understand is if an investigation comes down, if they furthered the crime at all, they can be charged with everything that's involved with it. You don't have to pull the trigger to be the one charged with murder. All you have to do is further that crime in any way. And a lot of these children don't understand. They can say, oh, I'm just I'm not really involved. I'm only doing a little bit. But that exposes you to everything. And that's a problem. And that is a problem. We're going to continue to talk about this and break this all down for you with our guests on Street Soldiers. We're talking about the new gang culture. What is happening to our youth? Is society doing enough to prevent them from getting into these gangs and getting a gun in their hands in the first place? There's more Street Soldiers when we come back. Yo, what up, people? This is Common, and this is the Street Soldiers with Lisa Evers. Real issues, real politics, and real people. Only on Hot 9-7 people, baby. Welcome back to this episode of Street Soldiers. I'm your host, Lisa Ebers. Joining us for a conversation on the new gang culture, Ralph Salento. He's a professor at John Jay College of Criminal Justice and also former lieutenant commander of the NYPD. Also with us is A.T. Mitchell. He's the founder of the Man Up organization, community organization that's been trying to bring peace to our streets and communities in New York City for many years. He's also the New York City Guns Are. Also joining us is Dante Mills. He's an attorney with Mills and partner with Mills and Edwards. And he's also a professor at Temple, law professor at Temple University um, in Philly. Dante, th thank you so much for being with us. AT and Ralph, we, we appreciate your time. The uh, yeah. Ralph, Ralph, in terms of the in terms of the investigations, there was a time when, you know, there's a there's a street phrase, you know, snitches uh, snitches get stitches because snitches were the lowest of the low on the street culture. Uh, totem pole. But now one of the things that's been so shocking, the first time I saw it at one of these uh, press conferences that I, I had to cover was there, they were making videos using the actual gun that was you, that prosecutors say was used in the actual crime, right. shouting out the street corner, shouting out the name of the person that they allegedly shot with, with that type of, you know, with that type of specificity. In terms of the investigations, what does that do for investigators? Well, of course, uh, technology really helps out investigations. And don't forget that we're talking about the dynamics of gangs that change. 
as far as like the metrics across the country go, the metrics are pretty much the same. There's like 28 to 32,000 gangs across the country. Uh, they estimate about 800,000 members are in those gangs. And that number has kind of moved 100,000 or so. Uh, now experts opine that there's over a million people in gangs. Uh, that's exacerbated by uh, illegal immigration where you have Central and South American people coming in. And then they join gangs. You see that a lot in Long Island. So, like, it's the dynamics of the gangs that change, not the pure numbers. Because the numbers go up and down, like, within uh, sort of a, a top and bottom range. But the way that you investigate them are different now, the gang culture, because, uh, as Dante was saying, it's much more focused. You don't see these tremendous sweeps. Uh, what you see is really, really targeted, uh, you know, targeted investigations. And you hear the NYPD talk about this when they talk about precision policing. I mean, that's a real thing. And so social media allows them to identify gang members. And you are absolutely right, Lisa. They are scoping out street corners. They're putting it in these uh, drill videos. Uh, of course, the, the, the nature of the drill video is ultra violence. I mean, I'm sure that your other panelists know that the drill video started in Chicago, in Chicago uh, and that was the ultra-violent lyrics. And so it's about bragging about what you've done. And that makes it easier for investigators to, um, you know, uh, assign a culpability, if you will, to each of the gang members and make sure that they're, they're targeting the right people. Now, you never, ever saw this in the past. You never saw it. The idea of gang violence was to do it so that you were undetected, right? It's it's to commit crimes undetected. And now you see people uh, bragging about crimes they've committed. And this is an interesting dynamic because you're sort of blurring a line. Well, gang members are sort of blurring the line between are you trying to be a social media influencer? Are you trying to uh, commit a murder for your gang? It's, it's almost like they can't decide what they want to do because a rational person would never commit a crime on camera or brag about the crime on camera. And Lisa, last time you and I spoke, we remember that we went over some uh, noteworthy cases, short Dante knows that were in uh, Florida and Georgia, where they want to use these videos as um, uh, supplemental evidence, not not pure cognitive cause, but supplemental evidence. Let's talk, let's talk about this, but first I just want to get a little more background on this. So AT, when we talk about, I mean, portraying 14 and 15 year olds as ultra violent criminals. I, I have, even though, you know, whatever they've committed, I have a problem with that because of their age. And also I've interviewed a number of, of drill artists that have also have been involved in criminal activity that have records. And that as they got older, they tried to get out of crime and, and really have a legitimate music career. But a lot of their personal stories 14 years old, their older brother shot and killed, That's no true. kind of counseling. Every time they go home, they have to worry about uh, sur surviving. And the only way for them to survive others, you know, one parent missing, the other parent substance abuse. They end up on the streets at 15 or 16, and we don't really have a place for these boys to go. That's right, Lisa. So you, you're spot on. So when you think about it from that lens or see things through that lens, you get a different picture, right? A lot of these young people are growing up in violent neighborhoods and under, you know, uh, service neighborhoods, communities where there are disparities that are that are ridiculous and their opportunities to make it out is even less. Hip hop has always been that tool of ours that was created to depict the shed light on some of the uh, the light on some of the ills of our societies. And these young people um, being artistic as they are, 
are just trying to follow in that same trend of hip hop, right? Just like by the same they, token, do by the, by the same token, the violence, the trauma for the no community members is, is really real. Dante, what about the videos? The, you know, the music videos as evidence, because there's been a lot of cases about this and controversies and, and new laws about it. What what are your what's your take on that? Yeah, I will say that uh, these videos are coming out, but the times have changed. Social media has infiltrated every part of life. That's between a teacher, a, a gang member, no matter who it is, oh, yeah, they sure. turn people have turned to social media. So before, where you would have gang members on the streets bragging about what they did, now they just have a bigger platform. Right. So the the issue is, can that be used in court? I've had everything from a client in New York who had pictures on his phone of uh, bricks of, of, of drugs being delivered and cooked and everything else. And of course, when the FBI or, or the investigators come in, they grab the videos off the phone and they say, we have our proof right here. And there's ways that you can combat it, but these these people are setting themselves up. Uh, they're putting themselves in situations where they're essentially telling on themselves. Right. And, I, I call it self-snitching, self-snitching. And even if you can't use it at trial, um, they can use it to impeach them. So generally what that leads to is me saying, listen, we have to work out a plea because there's no way that I can move forward because you have a video on your phone of you bragging right. about this. Right. So they're putting themselves in a harmful situation. But that's because social media is everywhere. But we're not trained how to use it or what to use it for. Right. So there's some people who just use it for whatever. No. And also, too, I think gener generationally they have grown up somebody who's 14 or 15 years Old now they've grown up a lot of them think like they're like oh man the the cops are spying on me but it, it's it's all over so they don't understand how public it is there's no line between well we shouldn't act like i mean listen when i grew up i grew up in philadelphia but i've been in new york a long time i've been a, a, around i know how it is we can't act like when we were younger there weren't people who was walking around the neighborhood bragging about robbing somebody right right about doing something else but now it's just transitioned to social media or instagram or tiktok um, so it's been happening for a while. It's just the platform is bigger now. Absolutely. Right. I would just add that, you know, these are hybrid games, right? These are groups of young people that are spun out of the old traditional type of game model, right? When there's no organizational structure, there's no hierarchy. There's really, they're just the blind leading the blind. hundred percent. Right? I agree. That's right on board. The, the, what you were saying, the, the former gang structures from the nineties, were very, very organized and now kind of everybody's sort of doing their own thing, right? They they purport to have rules in a hierarchy, but they really don't. Everyone's out there doing their own thing. And you you guys will know uh, just from your uh, your knowledge and, and uh, historical knowledge of this, that they, they used to be um, a, a, a goal. The goal was to make money and they didn't resort to violence until somebody got in the way of making money. Now the body count is never enough. It's never enough. They're killing just to kill. And it, it's it's really, it, what it does is it interrupts business. And to use, I'm sorry, an adage, right? Blood is a big expense. When there's blood on the streets, it gets the attention of the police. And if you want the attention, you're going to get the attention. When formerly, the, the whole purpose of the, the under gang culture and the drug culture was to keep the police out of it, operate quietly. Some of these homicides were committed in the 90s. They never even found the bodies. Now, the more public the display, the better. This and that's fine for them, but it gets attention to the police. No, part of, part of that, too, is there's not... Before, there was... The, 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 the world was a little smaller. So your gang was people in your neighborhood that you saw every day, that you interacted with every day, and you had a leader 
in your neighborhood that said, we're doing this, we're not doing that. No, don't do that because that's going to bring negative attention to us. Nowadays, with social media, with the world being bigger, you have people in these gangs that never even met each other. So they don't even have that true tie or connection to each other. They don't have the loyalty that you saw before. They don't have that joint um, goal, like you just mentioned, of we're yeah. making money. money, like a drug hustle or, or whatever. Right. But, and, let me ask you this. The, the, the uh, NYPD, when we were on the, the, the Queens gang raid with them, one of the largest in the borough of Queens history, they said a lot of this is based around public housing developments. That it's if you're from one project, you're against, your ops are from another project. Are you seeing that with your work? Yeah, I mean, there's territorial beef, right? There's historical conflicts. But let's make no mistakes about it. Most of the beef is still driven by interpersonal disputes. And 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 although these young people in these different developments are not realizing the history, they have no knowledge of really or the beginning of how these beefs actually uh, were started. So they, they engage in it just because they live in a development versus another development or they attend a school versus another school. This is why it is so ultra important that the work that we do around the city and the country with the Credible Messenger Movement is by allowing people who have been there and done that to be deployed right back into those same areas and to those communities to make contact with that population that others can't make contact with and to begin to educate them, to make them aware of their shenanigans, of their behaviors, of their actions before they make mistakes and have to suffer the full consequences. And this has been a driving um, force that has been sweeping the country. It's been making a tremendous difference. Um, and because we have to reach them before they pull the trigger. Oh, absolutely. Police, unfortunately, are going to, like you said earlier, are going to prosecute and investigate them as young as 13. With precision policing, we need to invest in precision resourcing and preventing these crimes from continuing. If we can see young people headed down a slippery slope, then we need to make sure that we get to them as early as we can to deter them from off that path. All right, we're going to take a, we're going to take a short break. When we come back, I'm going to ask our our guests, are where are the guns coming from, and also are the laws that were created to protect underage children and minors from a lifetime of being stigmatized as a criminal, are they actually creating a backdoor for older criminals who want to get them involved in the street life? We'll find out what our guests have to say when we come back. This is Street Soldiers. I'm your host, Lisa Evers. Stay with us. Yeah! It's Mr. Don Tripp, and this is Street Soldiers with Lisa Evers. Real issues, real politics, and real people. I don't know, Hot 97. Welcome back to this episode of Street Soldiers on the new gang culture. I'm your host, Lisa Evers. Joining us for this conversation is Ralph Salento. He's a professor at John Jay College of Criminal Justice and former Lieutenant Commander of the NYPD. Also with us is A.T. Mitchell. He is the founder of the Man Up organization and, and also the New York City Guns Are. Also joining us is Dante Mills. He's an attorney. He's a partner with Mills and Edwards and a law professor at Temple University. Dante, I wanna start with you on this one. The laws, when the age was raised to 17 in New York, there are some people who are supporters of the law who say this was necessary because we don't want to stigmatize youth who get off on the wrong foot for the rest of their lives and just fill up that prison, you know, that that prison pipeline. Other opponents say that this has given older criminals a way to get younger, these younger and younger teens to do their dirty work because they just go to family court, if they even get that far, get a slap on the wrist. 
what's your so basically it's it's introducing them to criminal life at a younger and younger age what's your take on that there's a balance i truly agree that you do not want to put uh someone who was a teen and got caught up in something you don't want to put them in the box for the rest of their lives and i have many friends that i grew up with that caught a felony or something at 18 19 years old they're in their 40s now and still can't get jobs still can't go to school still they're impacted by those early mistakes. And I do think you have to protect against that. But we also have to understand that there are situations, and I've dealt with this with many clients, where there's a 15-year-old, 16-year-old who's being told, listen, you take the fall for this because you get a hard reset in a couple of years. You won't have to do real time. Um, they're being incentivized to do that. So we have to find that balance. I do think that we want to, we want to, Air on protecting our children. So I would err on that no matter what and just hope that they're not being taken advantage of by people who are older and are putting them in a position to take a fall for them. But we can't. We can't lock those people up for the rest of their lives and say, you made a mistake at 15 and you're done. Um, so we want to err on protecting our children. I think that's the right side to go. Ralph, what about that? Do we need to do the, there need to be stricter penalties for people who basically corrupt underage kids? Uh, yeah, well, that I agree with Dante. That is definitely happening. They are recruiting younger people where, again, you guys will know in your historical knowledge that it used to be the older gang members would have the young kids sit it out where they'd have to mature. Uh, they, they had them sit out certain criminal activities. That is not happening now. They know that there is limited culpability under the law with bail reform and everything else. These kids are going in and out. And uh, it, it's it's... It's really sickening to see, uh, to EP's point, like these kids really don't even understand the full depth of what they're getting involved in. Now, obviously, murder's murder, right? You know when you're murdering somebody, but at 13, 12 sometimes to make those decisions, uh, I think Dante's right that there has to be a balance. But at the same time, uh, New York State is not helping us at all. So with bail reform, uh, there is... Uh, New York state is the only state of the remaining 49 states, including the feds, where the judge is not allowed to consider dangerousness as a factor for bail. New York state is the only state that way. In other words, theoretically, a gang member could get arrested, go before the judge and tell the judge, as soon as I get out, I'm going back to the neighborhood to finish what I started. And the judge is not allowed to consider that. New York state is the only state in the union that does not give the judge judgment in order to consider dangerousness there's been a lot of talk there's been a lot i'm going to tell you that the new york state legislation right now our legislators in new york state are trying to pass legislation that prevents us prevents law enforcement from using these uh viral drill violent rap videos which contain evidence now was a lot as an of, attorney all that was passed but it, and it, they're allowed to use them if it, if it specifically relates to the case but let me bring in at here A.T., what is your take? Because you see, you see people of, of of all age groups, and you see the you see what's happening with these teens firsthand right on the streets of streets of New York. There's this the past two summers we've seen very very young teens. It was young two young teenagers charged in the murder of an 11 year old girl in the Bronx last year. Very very sad. Yeah, that was that's when the 15 year old and the 18 year old was in pursuit of a 13 year old. Right. And unfortunately, missed the 13 year old and shot the 11 year old. Um, and, and we know the rest of that. That was that was an ugly situation. Uh, the youth, the ages of these kids that are entering into this uh, lifestyle 
is, is as we said, much younger. And again, because of the age factor and, and lack of knowledge of not just the law, but of even criminality, right? There was a generation that, like was said, that would coach us and, and let, like, like, you're not ready for this. This is not your turn. This is not your time. Right? This is not your life. We don't want this for you, right? But right, yep. today, unfortunately, that type of mentorship, and it, call it what it is, it doesn't exist. And until we are able to get to these kids, when we recognize these early warning signs, the earlier that we're able to intervene, the better. And so when we see signs of ab absenteeism, when we see signs of juvenile you know, behavior uh, uh, with the law, that's the time when we need to step in and allow for us to be able to get to this individual and his or her family to see how we can best aid that young person. If you're, if you're I, I'm a strong believer. Go ahead, Dr. Anissa. I'm a strong believer from coming and growing up in Brownsville in East New York, Brooklyn, that most kids, um, when they're kids, they don't want to commit crime. They really don't. They really want to, they want to be kids. But when that's the favorite, when that's the popular, when that's the most attractive thing going on in your neighborhood based on what they see on social media or, or what they hear, they're, they're kids, they're going to be attracted to. And hey, P, how about safety? They do it for safety. Right. Well, what about the, but, but let me throw in the call. Let me throw in the cultural factor here. There's there's about currently right now as we speak. There's there's more than half a dozen signed drill rappers with music contracts on Rikers Island right now involved in crimes. We've seen some that have been murdered. We've seen others that have been arrested after they've had a hit record or a viral record. Dante, do you feel as if the society, the system, and the culture? is reinforcing this behavior because I just want to point out back in the back in the day again in the early 2000s the record labels they didn't want to touch anybody that had a gun charge you look people lost record deals when they got arrested now it's like yep. they sign them and and they give them you know they get get, and that's it what do you think about that Dante? Lisa I think that's a fantastic question I'm glad you brought that up we need to hold these people responsible uh, there are people who come into our neighborhoods, who look at our culture, and they take, right? And they understand that they're creating dangerous situations. They're putting people uh, in, in, in dangerous places, um, and they're taking advantage of people, and they can get away with it. So a drill rapper can be arrested, uh, but they'll still put out their record and make money off of it. Yep. Right. There should be some kind of consequence if you know that you're putting out something that's a real-life crime. Right. It, for, for publishing that, you should be there should be some kind of consequence for it. That will be a deterrence. That will it will make sure that people understand if I'm doing this, if I'm if I'm talking about real life crime in my raps, these record labels, they're not gonna put out my songs. I'm not actually how about you tax them? How about that? On you off the record label, you tax them, you put it back in What about that? Because we've seen and, and let me just let me just say, I, I wanna say this from my from my point of view too is is just the drill rap is is the most popular. It, it's really the most popular form, especially with 13 and 14 year olds in that particular age group. And there's artists that have gone on to have really mainstream careers. Uh, unfortunately, not for very long with the late Pop Smoke. May he rest in peace. We see Fabio Foreign right now really trying to have a positive influence after coming from you know very difficult circumstances in Brooklyn. And but but at what what about this? Because it, it's there's there's creativity there, but. Is there a, you know, not too many people are drawing a line in the sand I and mean, then rolling louds, ban them from the, the concert stages, but they're making so much money in other ways, it's not even hurting them. As my fellow panelists have said, 
There needs to be consequences uh, for the profiteers, uh, those who are the ones who stand to benefit the most, right? Uh, the industry is the is the one who's throwing the rock and hot in their hand, right? And and they're not being held to any standard. Uh, they're not breaking any law. They're not being taxed any more than they should. They're running away with all of the profits. Meanwhile, back at the ranch, you know, Ray Ray is off to serve a life sentence. His family is broken for the rest of their lives, right? right. The neighborhood has now lost another. They move on to the next story. Right. A youth that have could have been a contributor to that community, right? It grew up to be someone productive. And so it's almost like we are the preyed upon communities, right? Our neighborhoods are preyed upon by these industries for their profit and for their gain because there's no consequence to them. Just like with the gun industry, right? The, the NRA and all of the, the large uh, manufacturers of guns, they get away, you know, clean. Meanwhile, the access to weaponry inside these neighborhoods are so high and great that they, these kids can get their hands on guns faster than they can get their hands on a, on, a, on a notebook or on a computer, right? Who's paying the consequences of that action? You know, and I know that's a part of this conversation, but we've literally no, got... I want, to talk, I want to talk about that too. Elephant, that's in the room. Ralph, I said I asked when we were when we had the exclusive with the embedded with the NYPD on the uh, on the takedown in Queens. I asked him, I go, where does a fourteen year old or sixteen year old, where do they get the money for for a handgun? And they said they're like fourth generation. They after they've had like three or four bodies on it, they can get a gun like that for for fifty dollars or so. What do you say to that, Ralph? It's the unfortunate reality that it is very very easy to get a gun. And uh, it, it, it really comes back to, I mean, there there's so many um, so many concentric circles that you can go out with. AP's talking about, like, this comes, some of it. They, 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 they the Associated Press. <laughs> AT like Tom, okay. Oh, AT, what AT's talking about is uh, there are so many societal problems. I mean, you can just keep making circles out and further out. It has to do with poverty, the easy access to weapons, fatherless homes, right? What the kids see on the street. And now Dante just said, right, let's let's hold the record companies responsible. You're signing an artist, you know, you sign an artist that committed a murder, you're gonna be taxed. That money's gonna go back into the community. There's right. there's just there's so many circles that you can go out. And it's really tough to get these kids when they're young. And I do believe in the balance. Uh, something you said is is uh, you know, it, it's a sad truth that a 14-year-old could get his hand on a gun very, very quickly in Brooklyn or the Bronx or Queens. And it, it's really sad. Well, and it's not, the, it's not, it's despite the efforts of the NYPD. NYPD has major I mean, gun confiscation. Right. And let's not forget, let's not forget all the community groups, but, but Dante, is, is it enough? Is there enough there for the, for these boys and for these, for these young men? Because it's like, if you're not on an academic track and then you stop going to school because it's not really designed to keep the attention of people that now have a generation that now has the attention span of like a, a nanosecond. And then where do you really, you know, where do you really go? Trade schools, very few trade schools available. What about that? Well, I want to recognize that there's so much talent in our communities. Yes. And I don't want to paint our community as, as any, there's guns everywhere in this country. This this country is a gun-heavy country, uh, right? Definitely. There's, there's guns no matter what neighborhood you go into. It yep. can be in the rural south, the trailer park, the Midwest. Everybody has guns. What we have to do is recognize the talent in our communities and give them hope so that they don't want to use them. So they're not in a position to use them. So they can, so they understand I'm not going to, because I have so much to lose. That's the issue that we have. 
we haven't convinced our own children that they have something to lose. So it's easy for them to pick up a gun and use it because what difference does it make? Well, right? Now, Our job is to combine the thing. Is, <laughs> for the police, though, I know you guys understand this, and Lisa, too, but violence is violence. And however tragic the story of the 12 or 13 or 14 year old boy is, I, I agree with you, man. I'm, I'm there with you. Violence like but the police can't. still have to investigate dead bodies, violence, robberies, and they have to let the investigation take it where it goes. Dante, what about social media? I agree with you 100 percent. And I'm not saying that anyone should get away with violence. Right. But what I'm saying is you can't focus on the soldier to end the war. Right. These are kids who are put in these positions. Right. We have to go higher and deeper. Let me jump in here. And I think the point that both of you are driving at it from different angles is that, and, and AT, I want to get your take on this, is the, the it, it costs a lot of money to, on the back, on the back end, in the aftermath. It costs money. There's there's all the trauma that has been done to these the victims, to the victims' families, and to the community that witnesses this. And to the, the little kids that are like, I'm afraid to go out and play. The teens that don't want to go to activities because they're afraid of getting shot. But AT, what about on the front end, a, a prevention of sports program, all of these types Absolutely. of things? What about that? Absolutely. It, is, it is actually cheaper for us to invest in our youth in the front end than it is once they committed the crime. We are spending, as taxpayers, half a million dollars a year to incarcerate a young person when they only cost about $50,000 a year to send them off to a decent college. And so that we as a society, we have we have our our priorities are not in place. We have to has been said in this conversation, look at these neighborhoods and really focus at what's the drivers of these crimes. I right. agree that the access to guns are it, it is out of control and that it makes a, a, a person makes a decision to pick up a weapon to use it. However, when it's only but so many choices that a young person has that's accessible, that's tangible. You can't you can't expect them to do anything different. We have to invest in the prevention and resources to make the options more tangible and make it more realistic for these young people in these neighborhoods and allow it to be able to take its course. I've done these experiments a hundred times over with young people. If you put things in front of them that that speaks to them and their needs, they will choose everything other than a gun or prison. Reality, you gotta make that real. I agree 100%. And I've seen uh, people, young people that's come to me, even after committing a crime. Uh, and what we try to do is put them in a different situation on the back end so they're not recycled through the system. So we may introduce them to a program or something like that. And we hear these positive stories all the time. Uh, no, they really latched on to this training and they're really involved in this and they're a completely different person. All people need is hope. Now, Lisa, I have I have to say something provocative here, which you guys can jump on in the fight. For after the break, because we have to take a short break. Okay. Okay, we'll take a short break. We'll come back. This is Three Soldiers. I'm your host, Lisa Evers. We'll be back right after this. What up? What up? This is Machine Gun Kelly, and this is Street Soldiers with Lisa Evers. Real issues, real poly tricks, and real people only on Hot 97. Salute. Welcome back to this episode of Street Soldiers on the new gang culture. I'm your host, Lisa Evers. Joining us, Ralph Salento, professor at John Jay College of Criminal Justice, former lieutenant commander of NYPD detectives. 
A.T. Mitchell, founder of the Man Up organization. He's NYC's New York City's Gunzar. Also with us is Dante Mills. He's an attorney and partner with his own firm, Mills and Edwards, a law professor at Temple University. Ralph, you want to say add in on this? Now, I have to say something provocative. You guys feel free to respond, but let me get it out first. I am all for gun violence reduction programs. We're getting federal grants, putting money back into the community. But here's what I'm going to tell you. As long as there is accountability, there are millions of dollars at stake here going flushing out into the communities and nobody is on the hook for it. There's no accountability. There's no metrics. Now, even the two things that you just said are largely anecdotal unless we could back it up with facts. Just this wait, 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 knows about accountability. What about this? Let me finish. I'm sure that there's some great stuff going on in the community. I'm not downing the work that you do or your dedication to that work. What I'm saying is that the NYPD has intelligence that a lot of these violence reduction programs, uh, these ex-cons or ex-gang members that are going out into gangs to work with the gangs, oftentimes are being reassimilated back into the gang and are not sharing gang intelligence with the police, okay, which is supposed like to be to, part I'd of like, the I'd like to look into that uh, uh, as a reporter, but AT, what about that? Because you have, well, they, you have to be accountable for what you do. Absolutely. Yeah. Accountability is, is our, our number one you know, position, but as the professor should know and should be aware, there are tons of evaluations that is actually published, that is out there, that speaks to the evidence that these sort of programs do work and work effectively. The very university from which you are a part of, sir, conducted one back in 2017 on the work that was being done here in New York City that showed the remarkable reduction in gun violence in those neighborhoods. And our organization, Man Up Incorporated, and our other partner CMS sites were mentioning that. Um, and, and just so that you know, it also released, uh, realized another organic point that interestingly enough, when gun violence is going down, relationships between police and communities actually improved upon. And so I want you to know, sir, that when you speak and say these ex-cons and, 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 and these ex-offenders, that's exactly the point. They are not ex-anything. They are returning citizens. They are formerly incarcerated people. And we had a, I'm with I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm right there. Effort. I want to attend this step first. And it begins with that. When you're looking at people who have been there and done that, you are looking at people who have lived experiences at, on the screen. You're looking at one. And I'm, I'm going to take this a step further. About, I'm going to take this a step further and talk about a lived experience. I wrote a piece that was published talk, and the title was, what if the rec was closed that day? When I was growing up, there was a recreation center in my neighborhood that the roof had a leak and it would rain um, and the, the rain would come in and the rec would have to be closed. I remember specifically, and I mentioned this in that piece, where I was hanging out with friends. They wanted to go do something. I said, you know what? I'm going to go play basketball in the rec because the rec had a program for us there. They went out and did something illegal and they all got arrested and their lives were completely different from mine. Mine could have been the same way. But yep. that program was available. So there's no guarantee that every program is, is going to be top notch, that everybody will do what they're supposed to do as far as accountability. But I will risk that every single time to make these programs available to our kids and give them an alternative. Because if it changes one life, yeah. that, that, that makes it all worth it. No, I'm 100% for that. What I'm saying is that I'm 100% for that. 
that's outside of the streets and the crime and the gang life. If one opportunity is about, I got it. It's worth it. I'm 100% for that, Dante. I'm just saying that there needs to be metrics and accountability. I'm aware of those studies, AP. I read some of them. And, and so isn't this sort of the, a devil's bargain where uh, you claim credit for a decrease in crime and then you deny responsibility for an increase in crime? This so we look at where go in. Hold on. Hold on. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Yeah. Well, I'm going to go in. I'm going to tell you the same exact year where uh, the NYPD had a reduction in shootings. All of these, uh, you know, gun uh, violence reduction programs, they were all the first ones at the forefront to take credit for it. And then when the shootings went up in 2021, it had nothing to do with them. So I'm just saying that you need accountability. That's all I'm saying. I agree with everything. So, Ken, so, so, Professor, can the NYPD take accountability for crime going up and gun violence going up? That's all they do is take accountability. They take accountability. They're responsible for the rise in violence in the cities across America. They, I, I don't know. If, I don't know if this is is productive to the point that there are both sides who I believe are actively trying to make our situation better. Yes. But 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 let me let me just finish. Okay. But nobody's perfect. Right. There's going to be flaws in every single system. Absolutely. What we can't do is focus on the flaws and say, well, because there's a flaw here, let's really evaluate this whole process. No, let's accept the good from the process from both the police and both these organizations. Let's accept the good and acknowledge that nobody's and say, okay, how can. And and I'm not saying I'm not saying defund these. Wait, 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 let it. Let him finish. Dante, finish your point. Let's say, how can we streamline both? And join both so that we're we're taking away as many flaws as possible. Uh, yeah, I know. I, I I agree with your you and AP. I, I'm not saying AT on those programs or anything like that. I'm just saying there needs to be accountability for where multiple million dollars are going on all fronts. On, on, on all, all fronts, and I need to be accountable for the to, to this to this to this day. The budgets in the cities of like New York is still less than one percent of the NYPD's budget. And so when we talk about accountability, we talk about on our all frontiers. But I'm just like Dante's point and others. We are about all hands as on deck. We need everybody involved in this. As long as everybody agrees to the one goal, will we agree as it relates to uh, the way that we go about it? We may differ. But do you we- know, and we're losing. We're losing the youth. Yeah, you but, but, saying, but if we which I agree with. Agree. There, there's something we gang members in younger and younger and younger. And you know, these kids are having their youth rot from. I agree. Like one of the first things that AP said was they're grabbing these kids. They're, I said AT. <laughs> one of the things that AT said right in the beginning was that they're grabbing these kids really young because they have diminished criminal culpability and they're putting them out there. And these kids are having their youth. So I, I agree with all that. That is a real problem. And now, uh, really bad people are know uh, that they can utilize juveniles in order to get very violent work done. And that is 100% true. All right, uh, guys, this is going to have to be it for us for this episode of Speech Soldier. Dante, I want to give you one last word in terms of, is there anything legislatively that you see that could be changed that you think would make a significant a significant dis, uh, difference in bringing peace to our streets? Uh, I do believe that there needs to be, um, uh, there needs to be a push to incentivize people to turn over the bad people in our communities. I know that there was this no snitching culture, and I would talked about this for a bit during this segment, but we all know when we grew up in those neighborhoods, there were two or three people that were just bad guys, Yeah. right? We have to come together and say, we don't want that to be a part of who we are, and we as a community can oust them. 
And I think there needs to be some incentive for that because it will make our neighborhood safer. We know internally who those people are. There's some that we just have to remove so that everyone else can flourish. And I think that there needs to be some kind of practice or some kind of incentive put together so that we can police our own neighborhoods with the assistance of the NYPD um, and make it safer for our communities and for each other. Okay, well, they do have uh, 1-800-577 tips and a lot of uh, different things on the on their website, too, for people that, that exist now. They can do it anonymously, which is, is one program this year. But we're out of time for this episode of Street Soldiers. A.T., are you, let me ask uh, one quick question. A.T., are you hopeful, though, that we can get that, that summer 2023 will be more peaceful? I, I, I'm very hopeful. I mean, as long as we are working all together in concert and that we all agree that this is our number one aim. And if we provide the meaningful resources and we fast track these individuals that we want to make sure that before they go to jail or commit the next act of crime, that we give them up options. I think that it's very possible. And I'm just optimistic about that. Yeah. All right. I want to thank our guests for being with us. Our Ralph Salento, A.T. Mitchell, Dante Mills, thank you so much for being with us. And I want to thank my in- incredible entire team, Lisa, DJ, Mike Medium at Hot 97 at Fox 5 NY, Suzanne, Joanne, Jeff, and the whole crew, Kara, everybody. Uh, thank you for helping us make this show possible each and every week. And most of all, thank my street soldiers who come up to me on the streets every day talking about the shows. We really appreciate it. Thank you so much for your love and support. Remember, use your mind. It's your best weapon. I hope it's your only weapon. I'm Lisa Ebers. Let's push for peace, love, and justice for all.